Hi, I'm Willem Lang. I've been exploring the wilds and waters of New England for more than 70 years. Join me and New Hampshire PBS for some adventures on the trail with my podcast, Words from the Wild with Willem Lang. I was just congratulating myself on having negotiated several miles of really rough trail without falling once. Less than a minute later, to quote John Madden, boom, down I went. It was an easy fall, sort of sideways into duff and dead leaves, but a sawed-off birch trunk stuck out of the bank a couple of feet off the ground and intercepted the right side of my head on its way down. The good news was that the trunk missed my specks. The bad news was that the result looked a little gory close up. Jonathan, the videographer, and I still had a few headshots to do, and it's somewhat distracting to listen to a head spouting information when it's also dripping blood. So I pulled my sweatband as low as possible, and we pretended we were shooting John Barrymore, who liked to be filmed in profile from his good side. There can't be many rougher trails through the woods of New England than the 19-mile brook trail. I could think of only a few. Starting at the Pinkham Notch Road, about seven miles south of Gorham, it runs along the northeast side of 19-mile brook and into Carter Notch. It's not much of a climb either, only about 2,000 feet in 3.6 miles to the height of land in the notch. But underfoot, the trail slopes steeply downward from left to right, and you can't help but notice the number of trees that have given up the ghost and fallen downhill toward the brook. Notches, they call them in New Hampshire. In Vermont and the American South, they're gaps, as in Lincoln, Middlebury, Appalachian, and Cumberland. In the West, they're passes, as in Donner, Pioneer, and Snoqualmie. The New Hampshire name sounds rockier somehow, and this one certainly lives up to that. You've got to wonder why in the world anybody would have ventured up into this notch in the first place. The answer is probably that he was scouting for a logging company. But if the forest in those days was anything like what it is now, it was a desperate slog, like the videos we see of intrepid explorers hacking through tropical rainforests. The trail was probably cleared later for access to a now-long-gone fire tower on nearby Carter Dome. The Forest Service, which is responsible for maintaining the trail, seems to have designated it a poor cousin. It's pretty shaggy. On the topographic map of the trail, you can see that it follows that left-hand slope up into the increasingly tight jaws of a granite nutcracker. Carter Notch is as steep-sided as they come, and quite narrow. Looking up to my left, where a thin layer of mossy soil covered the boulders, I could see quite a few trees, even a long way from the brookbed, that were also leaning downhill. And I think I've figured out why. That whole hillside under its cover is a talus slope, a huge ramp of large rocks in semi-repose that have been broken off the solid mountain above by ice wedging, a constant cycle of freezing and melting that's moving everything slowly downhill. It's the same phenomenon that recently did in the old man of the mountain in Franconia Notch. 
So while the brook is chewing at the bedrock beneath it, the boulders are trying to overwhelm the brook. After three miles or so, the trail, just as the guidebook had predicted, narrowed and steepened, and shortly we were at the height of land. No doubt about it. None of the usual swamps or beaver dams and open grassy vistas. Just a steep trail descending the far side 100 feet to a glistening little tarn. Jonathan shot some views of the beetling cliffs on both sides, and down we went. The Cardenach hut was very close by now. We'd been given a heads up by some hikers we met on the way that there were about 25 kids and teachers from a Tony Day School in Connecticut staying at the hut. Sure enough, as we tried to film the serene silence of the pond, kids' voices shrilled on the far shore. The hikers also were friends of the hut caretaker. When I asked his name, they answered, It's her, and it's Sally. A few moments later, here she came to see who was filming her pond. Carter Notch was originally a log building built in 1904, right on the edge of the pond, facing the great gray cliffs of Wildcat Ridge. In 1914, it was moved to its present location, with a view down the Wildcat River to the south. It was built of stone, naturally, though how they carried all the mortar in here, I can only imagine. Nowadays, it's quite a pleasant establishment, with a kitchen and dining room for 40, two bunkhouses, and a wash house. It's been run for the past 10 years as a self-service hut, which means you pack in your own food and sleeping bag and use the hut's bunks and pots and pans for sleeping and cooking. The Appalachian Mountain Club, however, has seen a 50% drop in use over that time, in spite of sturdy caretakers like Sally, with whom Jonathan and I fell in love almost instantly. So next spring, it'll revert to full service, with a full crew and prepared meals. Along with two other huts, Zeeland Falls and Lonesome Lake, it'll remain open in the winter with a caretaker, for self-service stays by skiers and snowshoers. I suspect that very few skiers will brave this trail. Those snowshoers, and Sally recommends bringing crampons as well for the icy slopes of the lower trail, those who do make it will enjoy a spectacular view of the ramparts, a tortured pile of angular boulders the size of bread trucks that have split from the surrounding cliffs and plunged to rest here almost beside the cabin. It is best before coming to Carter Notch for the night, and especially during a heavy rain or snowstorm, not to read Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Ambitious Guest. You might spend a restless night thinking about those rocks on the rampart and listening for a rumble far overhead. Thanks for listening, friends. If you're looking for a little more outdoor adventure, you can always watch the latest Windows to the Wild on nhpbs.org windows. Words from the Wild with Willem Lang is brought to you by New Hampshire PBS and the Marlon Fitzwater Center for Communication at Franklin Pierce University.